Hello and welcome to Day 3 Live, the live broadcast of Sunday morning service at Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. You can learn more about our ministry at day3church.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash d3church. We're glad you chose to listen today. We believe that God is waiting to speak to you. If you have any questions about today's message, please contact us. We're here to help. Now sit back and join us for the next few minutes. It's Day 3 Live, and it starts right now. Good morning. If you would take your Bible and turn to a couple of passages in the Psalms, um, we'll be in Psalm 32 to begin with. And then uh, near the end of the message, we'll be over in Psalm 119, uh, verse 104. So uh, if you'd kind of flip there and find your place, that way you'll uh, be able to jump right to it as we get to the point. Uh, Psalm 32 will be verse 8 and 9, and uh, Psalm 119 will be verse uh, 104 and 105. We're in a series talking about going forward, going forward. I, I think that's God's will for us as individuals. I think that's God's will uh, for us as a church. Uh, we've been in a season of uncertainty for several months because of the pandemic, and a, a lot of people, I think, just have in their mind if we can get back to the way things were. But the way things were probably were not uh, working the way that it should, was not working the way that it should. Uh, I think God wants us to do more to impact our culture. He wants us to do more to make disciples. He wants us to share the gospel more. And uh, we start out this series by saying, what if it's not God's plan just to get back to the way things were? And I don't think it is. I think maybe uh, these last months has put the brakes on to give us a chance to rethink and and re-envision and and look at how God would want us to uh, move forward. Uh, God called us to make disciples. God wants us as a church and as individuals to share the gospel and make disciples who make disciples. And, and guys, to be honest with you, that's just not been happening as it should happen. So I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced God wants me to go forward my individual life. I'm convinced God wants us to go forward as a church. Do you believe that? Do you believe God wants you to move forward? Do you, do you believe God wants our church to move forward? Well, if if you do, you might have said yes with some hesitancy because you might have been thinking to yourself, but how do I know the way forward? So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to look at these two passages in the Psalms about knowing the way forward. The first one that we're going to deal with, Psalm 32, uh, is one of the repentance psalms that David wrote after his failure with uh, Bathsheba that led to the murder of her husband and led to so much defeat uh, in his life. And then, of course, Psalm 119 is that great long book in the Bible about how important the Word of God ought to be to our lives. And if we will apply the Word of God to our lives, we can know uh, the way forward. Uh, So that's what we're going to focus on, knowing the way forward. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you uh, speak to us through your word. I I pray, Lord, you teach us uh, how to know the way forward, that we'd follow your instruction, that we'd follow the counsel that you have for us, that we live our lives under your watchful eyes. This passage of Scripture will tell us that we'll use your Scriptures as a uh, light and a lamp for the way that we should go in our lives. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So knowing the way forward, number one, uh, God promises we can know the way forward. He, he, without any apology, without any 
question marks on it. God in his word promises we can know the way forward. God's not just in the text we're looking at today, but several places in the Bible. God promises to guide us. He promises to lead us in the way forward. Look look at Psalm 32 and verse number 8. It says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. David wrote seven psalms that were considered repentance psalms. Of course, Psalm 51 is one that's the best known, but this is also a repentance psalm. Uh, If you take time to read the whole psalm, you see in the first part of it, David was kind of admitting his sin, and then God was forgiving him. But then we get to the portion we're looking at today, and God is promising to guide David forward in his life. He's promising to give him the guidance that he needs to move forward in his life, even though David had that huge failure, even though he stepped out on his rooftop and he saw Bathsheba bathing, uh, even though he sent for her and he committed adultery with her and she conceived a child and he's trying to hide his sin and he arranges for her husband to be murdered. Even though all that is the case, once he repents, God says that he's forgiven him and that he's going to guide him in the way forward. I want you to notice how God says he's going to guide us in, in the way forward, what he told David he would do for him. First of all, God promises his instruction to us. God promises his instruction to us. And by the way, guys, all that we're talking about here in Psalm 32 is not like God is some, uh, you know, mean God in heaven trying to catch us doing wrong and then just punish us for it. The, the words used here is like he's a loving father. And he's wanting what's best for David's life. And he wants to instruct David in the way that he should go. He said, I will instruct you and teach you the way that you should go. Some of the words used there in the Hebrew, instruct, means that God wants to make us more circumspect. God wants to give us his intelligence so we can know the way forward. God wants to teach us. And the word teach is kind of an interesting word in the Hebrew. It means all these things. It means to flow as water. It means to rain. It means to lay or throw. It was used for shooting an arrow. It was even used for pointing out something, like someone guiding you and pointing the direction that you ought to go. And it's saying God wants to instruct us and teach us in the way, in the road, in the course of life that God wants us to walk. Instead of leaving David in the dust of his failure, God cares enough about David to help him get over this failure, help him get beyond this discouragement of his sin. God promises to instruct and teach David in the way that he should go forward in his life. Interesting to me, the same David wrote this in Psalm 23, that really familiar psalm for us, but he wrote this in verse number 3. He said, he restores my soul, and then notice what it says, guys. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. God restores our soul through faith in Christ. But after that, you know what he wants to do? He wants to guide us. He wants to lead us and guide us in the path that we ought to go for his name's sake, for his honor, for his glory. He wants to guide us and, and lead us in that way. God desires to do the same for us that he promises here to do for David. God desires to instruct us how we can move forward in our lives. 
God wants to give us the intelligence to move forward. God wants to flow like water into our lives with his wisdom so we can know the way forward. God wants to rain upon us with his instruction so we can know the way forward. God wants to lay out or throw out before us his truth so we can know the way forward. God wants to shoot his truth into us like an arrow. God, like a guide, wants to point out for us the direction that we ought to go in our lives. God has a, a road for us, a course of action for us in our lives that he wants us to walk. He's not trying to hide it from us. God wants us to know the way forward. He wants us to know the direction that we can go. Not only does God promise his instruction, God promises his counsel because he said, I will counsel you. God wants to advise us. God wants to deliberate with us. God wants to resolve maybe some past failures we have or issues is what the word means. God wants to guide us. David was dealing with personal guilt. David was dealing with a lot of strong emotions and discouragement because of his terrible fall into sin. But even though that was the case, God says that I want to provide counsel for you, David. He promises counsel for David. And that same God wants to give us counsel in our lives. Maybe you feel like you've got some personal failure in your life. It might not be the same thing that David went through. And you may think, well, I've got personal failure, but it's not as big as what David did. Well, the Bible says if we break any of the commandments, we're guilty of all of them. If we break any part of it, we're guilty of the whole. So you might think, well, I've never done anything like commit adultery. I've never arranged for anybody to be murdered. Well, have you ever told a lie? <laughs> you know, have you, have you ever lusted in the wrong direction or anything? If so, we're guilty of all of it. That's what the Bible teaches. Well, if you've got some failure in your life that you let keep you defeated, that it's a recurring thing in your life. God wants to help you move beyond that. God doesn't want you to stay trapped there. God wants to counsel you. Maybe you're feeling regret for not serving God as you should or serving Christ as you should. God wants to counsel you and get you through that. God wants you to be able to forgive yourself so you can move forward in your life. He wants to give you his advice. He wants you to deliberate with him. When I was doing the word study there and I saw the word deliberate, I instantly thought of this passage of scripture in Isaiah because Isaiah 1 verse 18 says this, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet. In other words, they stand out in that huge, like, you know, like red against white. That's how stark your sin may stand out. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. But God said, come, let us reason together. God wants to help you move beyond your sin and your failure. God wants to help counsel you in the way that you ought to go. He wants to help you resolve your issues and guide you moving forward in your life. But God not only promises his instruction and his counsel, he also promises his watchful eye. He said, I will counsel you with my eye upon you. The word for God's eye that's used here is a word that, that meant, and I guess maybe they thought the eye being like the fountain of the soul, but, but it also meant this. It, it means like the fountain as though it's a feature in a landscape. It's an important part of the landscape. That, that's literally what the word means that's, that's used here. You might be upset a little bit or worried about God's eye being upon you. By the way, did you notice it was singular? It didn't say eyes. <laughs> God doesn't need both eyes to watch us. He already knows what we're going to do. He already knows what we're going to face anyway. But God said, I'm going to counsel you with my eye. He doesn't have to put both on us. But that might have you worried or concerned that God's watching you. 
But you look at it in the right way, because the way he's talking to David here, as I said a moment ago, it's like a loving father. It's like a father watching his child, wanting to be sure his child experiences the best, wanting to be sure his child goes in the right way. That's a word that's used here. God having his eye upon us shouldn't be something that worries us to death, that we're scared of, because we think God's just watching us so he can get back at us in some way. No, God is interested in you. God wants his best for your life. God wants you to understand that he's watching over you. And that truth, guys, ought to be like a refreshing fountain in the landscape to know that no matter what you're going through, God sees and God knows and God's eyes upon you. He wants to instruct you. He wants to counsel you. It ought to be a thing of refreshment, just like a, a fountain would be out in a desert place. It ought to be that refreshing to you to understand that, that God cares that much for you, that he is watching over you in, uh, in, in that way. God desires for us to willingly follow his instruction, his teaching, and his guidance, to willingly respond to obedience just to his directing gaze. Have you ever seen a really, really obedient child? And I, I, I hope I didn't bring up a sore topic for you. I, I hope you're not thinking to yourself, I wish I could find one somewhere, you know, an obedient child. But I have... <laughs> Someone's volunteering and saying that they are, and I think his dad is about to slap him uh, over there. Uh, anyway, uh, but I've seen this scenario happen, like being in a public place, and it only takes the gaze of the parent to kind of reel the child in, you know? You, you give them that certain look, and the child knows from the look that you've given them that they need to straighten up a little bit. I've even seen this before. I've seen a child be misbehaving over here in one place, and the parent feels like they need to go sit down and be quiet. And the child and the the parent just gives a gaze and looks at them and does like that. <laughs> and the child understands it's time to come over here and sit down. The, the child is responding to the gaze of the parent. Guys, we ought to respond to God like that. <laughs> To understand God has his watchful eye upon us. He wants what's best for our lives and allow God to guide us in the way that we ought to go. God's interested in us so much. He wants to instruct us, teach us, guide us. And he doesn't want us to be like some wild animal, some wild horse or some stubborn mule. Because look at verse 9. Look at the next verse. God commands us to willingly follow his guidance. Not have to be forced into it, but willingly follow. Verse 9 says this, be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with a bit and a bridle, or it will not stay near you. God's saying to David, don't act like that. Don't be like an animal without understanding. God is, is telling us, don't act like an animal. Don't just make your decisions and your actions in life based upon some Animal instinct that you have, some fleshly instinct. Don't be like an animal without understanding. King David had acted enough like a rebellious animal already. He'd given in to his fleshly desires. He didn't have to do it. I mean, maybe he did not intentionally walk out on his palace roof at night thinking, I'm going to look over there and see Bathsheba. Maybe he didn't intentionally plan to do it, and maybe he did do it intentionally, but he saw her. But you know what? That didn't mean he had to send people to bring her to him. Didn't mean he had to give in. It didn't mean he had to be like a, 
a wild horse and just run forward or an animal that doesn't understand and, and just rush headlong into his sin. God's telling David not to be like an animal without understanding. Don't let it even come to pass in your life. Don't exist like that. Don't, don't be like a horse. And the word used in the, the Hebrew for a horse means a horse is leaping forward or rushing rapidly, not really thinking about what the consequences are going to be. And he said, don't be like a mule. And, and the word used for mule talks about an animal with its lonely habits. The root word means to kind of separate yourself. He said, don't be like those animals without understanding, which have to be controlled by that muzzle or by that headstall or by the halter, by the restraint that's put upon them. Take, take two things away from that. Look at the horse to start with. Think about the horse again. God is telling David, and he's also telling us, don't rush ahead impulsively refusing God's guidance. Don't rush, rush ahead impulsively refusing God's guidance. That's what David had done when he came to Bathsheba. That's what he had done when he found out that she was expecting. That's what he did trying to cover up his sin. He rushed ahead just with his own human thinking, trying to hide his sin, trying to conceal his sin. When he had Uriah, her husband, more or less murdered in battle. God is telling David, don't act so impulsively. Don't act like an animal without understanding. Don't act like an animal that has to be restrained by force. God wanted David to respond to his instruction, his counsel, and his watchful eye that we just talked about a moment ago. Instead of having to be controlled like a wild animal. And guys, the same message is for us. We don't need to rush ahead impulsively into sin. We don't need to refuse God's instruction, His counsel, and ignore His directing eye. God wants us to willingly follow His guidance, and by doing so, know the way that He wants us to go. Know the way forward. Know how we ought to go forward. God's best for us comes from responding to Him like a loving Father. God's best for us is not... Let me put a bit in your mouth and force you to do what I want you to do. God's best for us is to willingly want his instruction, willingly follow his counsel, willingly respond to his watchful eye. That's the way God wants us to, to live, not by force of a bit in, in a bridle. Think about the mule for a moment. Don't lag behind stubbornly ignoring God's guidance. You ever seen anybody you thought, that's a, that's a mule-headed individual? You ever seen anybody like that before? You know, if it's your spouse, don't turn and look at them. You'll get in trouble, I promise you. David, after his sin, kind of acted like a stubborn mule. For almost a year, David tried to hide his sin. It started out with Uriah's murder. But then after that had happened, he kind of wanted to act like a concerned king who was concerned for Bathsheba, who happened to be with child, trying to act like it belonged to Uriah. And he, he thinks, oh, I, I'm going to bring her in, and she can be one of my wives, and I'll, I'll take care of her. And he thought his sin was covered. David, by trying to conceal his sin, you can read about it several places in the Bible. He, he went around almost like a madman. He went around controlled by his guilt and depression and discouragement because he was withholding repentance. He wasn't admitting what he had done. 
And finally, God sends Nathan the prophet in, and Nathan walks in and tells him a story about this person that had this one little lamb, and somebody came and took that one little lamb, and David gets real furious, and then Nathan points at him and said, you're the one that's done that, David. You're the one that did that with Bathsheba. And that causes David to come to a point of repentance in his life. And he writes these repentant psalms that Psalm 32 is, is one of. But because he had been stubborn, he was lagging behind like a stubborn mule. Instead of confessing his sin, he, he went on for a while there in his life, for almost a year, in, in a terrible state. God doesn't want us to live like that. God wants us to confess our sin. David, God had already called David this. God, by the way, is never caught off guard by anything. Amen? God knew what David would eventually do. But God had already called David a man after his own heart. Aren't you glad God sees our, our heart, even though when we screw things up a lot of times? Aren't you glad that he sees it? They can look and see what's in here for him. We might not manifest it out here, but God can see what's in our heart. And that's how he alluded to David, being a, a man after his own, own heart. And once he repented of his sin, he was able to move forward. Guys, the same thought, the same message is for us. Don't stay stuck in your past. Don't stay underneath the burden of sin because you're lagging behind like a stubborn mule. You're refusing to admit your sin to God. You're refusing to admit it and repent of what you've done and what you maybe have failed to do. I think a lot of times we make the error of just focusing on sins of commission. Sins of commission is something you do that was wrong. You know, the Bible also talks about sins of omission. And that means we fail to do what we know God has told us to do. You might be wrestling with sins of omission this morning. Just maybe you are feeling guilty because you've not served Jesus like you should. Maybe you're feeling guilty because you've not shared the gospel with someone. Maybe you're feeling guilty in your life because you've never ever tried to disciple someone. Maybe you're carrying around that type of guilt in your life. Well, God doesn't want you to stay there. God wants you to move beyond your guilt. God wants you not to be like that stubborn mule. Instead, he, he wants you to confess that sin. Don't stay stuck in your past and, and move forward in, in your life. Proverbs 28 verse 13 says this, he who covers his sin will not prosper. If you're just trying to hide it, sweep it under the rug, it says you're not going to prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. You know why David had such a tough year after his failure with Bathsheba? He had been walking around feeling that he did not have the mercy of God for almost a year until he came to the point of repentance in his life. God wants his best for you. He doesn't want you to be like a wild animal, like a horse that's rushing ahead into sin, or like a stubborn mule that's refusing, lagging behind, refusing to admit your sin. Not only does God not want us to be like a, an animal without understanding, God does not want us to wander away from a close relationship with him either. Because after he said be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with a bit and a, and a bridle. He, he, he said, or it will not stay near you. God's using that as an illustration. An, an animal sometimes without knowledge will not stay near its owner. God doesn't want us to act like that. God wants us to stay as close to him as we can. 
God doesn't want us to be straying. God wants us to to desire Him, a relationship with Him. God wants us to to carry it out in our lives, to be that man after His own heart. God wants us to have a close relationship with Him. God wanted that for David. God didn't want the type of relationship with David that we had to put a bit in his mouth and enforce him. God wanted David just to stay near him, and God desires that for us. God desires for us to stay near him, and by doing so, as we stay close to God, as close to God as we can, you know what else will happen? We can know the way forward. We can know the way he would have us to go because God wants to give us his instruction, his counsel, his watching eye that we looked at a few moments ago. God so much wants that for you. God so much wants you to know the way forward that he actually gave us a map, his word to be our light, his word to be our lamp, his word to show us the way that we need to go. Join me in Psalm 119. In verse 104 and 105. Through your precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So to begin with, God's word provides us the understanding that we need. He said, through your precepts I get understanding. Through your word I can have understanding. And as I have understanding to your will, that gives me the capability to hate every false way because as I love your word, as I practice your word, as I understand your word, as I understand the the mandates of God, the appointed words of God, the will of God, the purpose of God, as I get that kind of understanding, the, the phrase for getting understanding literally kind of means this. It means that God raises us up to where we can view whatever the issue is from his perspective. Instead of you and I viewing it from our perspective or from a worldly perspective, as we love the Word of God, as we apply the Word of God to our lives, that raises us up so we can see what is false, so we can see what is an error, so we can see what is wrong, and that can help us understand the way that we ought to go. God's Word gives us the understanding that we need. Let me give you a few more verses about the importance of God's Word. Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? By the Word of God. To read the Word of God, to understand what God has to say. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21 tells us this. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own in, in, inspiration or interpretation. That's what our world wants to convince you of. They want to say, well, this was just written by a man. Keep reading. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. No, no, guys, it's extremely important you get this settled in your mind. Is this the Word of God or is it not? Because if you think that it's just a book, it's going to be pretty easy for you just to cast it aside and do your own thing. For you just to go with the flow of the world and do what the world says is all right or what the culture says is all right. If you don't really believe this is the Word of God. But it told us there that this did not come about 
by any man's interpretation. Instead, God inspired men over the years to write the Word of God. If you understand anything about the Bible, you ought to be amazed by the unity of the message of the Bible from the beginning to the end, over thousands of years, how God moved upon the hearts of men to write His Word, His purposes, His will down. And the reason it's so important you get this settled is this. If you really believe this is the Word of God, that means it ought to settle whatever issue you're facing in your life. Whatever temptation you're dealing with, if you'll apply this, if you'll look at what God has to say and, and understand up front, we need to apply it. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 17 says this. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. Can anybody say an amen to the days being evil? Therefore, be not foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. There, it, it's in black and white in the Bible, what the will of the Lord is. God's Word provides understanding for us, but God's Word also does this. God's Word lights the path we should take. Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's Word, the things that God has spoken, the matter spoken of is what it means. It's like a, a lamp. It's like a, a glistening lamp or a candle. The, the root word in the Hebrew gives the idea of a fresh furrow. Uh, a lot of you maybe have been trying to plant a garden, and you've been out making furrows, and you're getting ready to plant a garden. When, when I think of a fresh furrow, I think of potential. I think of growth that can take place, because you're going to put a seed there and water it and pray for sunshine and more rain and, and, and for growth to take place. Because that's the way we need to view God's Word. God's Word is like a fresh furrow. God's Word can bring about growth and life in our lives if we'll allow it to be the, the lamp for us. We'll allow it to light the, the, our feet, the, the steps we're taking in our lives. If we'll allow it to be like a, a light, an illumination, a luminary in every sense of the Word to light the path, the way that God would have us to walk. The word for path is the same word that's found in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. The Bible says there, thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look. In other words, there are a lot of different directions or roads you can take in life. Stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths. That's what our culture seems to want to do away with. They want to change all the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it. And notice this, and find rest for your souls. Because there's not rest in our soul when we're living our lives opposed to the will of God. When we're refusing to repent, when we're being like David, like a stubborn mule, we're walking around with the guilt of our sin. There's no peace in your heart then. There's no rest in your soul. But God says we can find rest by following His way, the good way, and walking in it. But look what the people said. We will not walk in it. God has a path for us. God has a path where there's a good way. God has a path that provides rest for our souls. But we must not say, we will 
not walk in it. God's had, God wants us to know the way forward. God will provide his instruction, his counsel, his watchful eye. God has given us a map. He's given us his word so we can know the way forward. If you want to know the way forward, if you want to know how to live your life, if we want to know how to move forward, as a church, God will guide us if we'll just allow him. God will light the path before us. But here's how that works. God doesn't show you everything. If he showed you everything, it would scare you to death. God guides you step by step. Where you can take that step by faith and the next step by faith and this step by faith. See, the Bible tells us this in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, for we walk by faith, not sight. We walk by faith by putting our trust in Him. The lamps in David's time that this is alluding to uh, are not like the things we have today. Do not freak out. We are intentionally turning the lights off, okay? Don't try and get up and walk around or anything else, but I, I want to illustrate something for you. Today, we've got all these bright lights. This one here is about, I mean, I can change it, but uh, that's about 650 lumens. I'm trying not to shine it right in your eyes. It would not be pleasant to have it right in your eyes. I can shine that toward the back wall, and I can see exactly how to get to the door and walk outside. If I was outside during the night, I can see several hundred yards over an open field exactly where to go by shining this light. I can see over a great distance by shining this light. That's not the kind of lights they had available to them in that day and time. The kind of lights they had were like a little clay container with oil in it. And about all I can see with this type of light is the next step to take. And then I blew it out with my breath. I'm not going to bother lighting it again, but bring the lights back up, guys. The, the point I was trying to make is this. With this type of light, the type of light they used in that day and time, you could see the next step and the next step and the next step. And as I would move forward with it, it would light up an additional step in front of me. I wish you to notice something else. If it were still lit, my body is blocking this light looking behind. I can only look forward. God wants us to move forward. God wants us to allow His Word to be a lamp for us, to be a light for us. God wants us to move forward. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6 tells us this, For God, who said, Let the light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Do you have that kind of light within you? Do you have the light of the glory of God? If not, you can find it in Christ. 
you don't know Christ as your Savior, God wants you to have His light inside of you. But He wants you to respond to His light. He wants you to respond to His instruction, to His counsel, to His watchful eye. God wants you to use His Word like a map so you understand the way that you ought to go. David also wrote this in Psalm 25, and maybe this ought to be our every morning prayer, our constant prayer, our daily prayer. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth. And teach me, for you're the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. You know what that's saying to me? God so much wanted to guide David, and David so much wanted to honor God. That David is saying, I want to know your way. I want to know your path. I want you to teach me. You're the God of my salvation. And because of all those things being true, I'm going to wait on you all day before I take a step. I'll wait for you all day before I move forward. I'm going to wait for you to let me know your past, help me to know your past, to teach me your past, to lead me in your truth and teach me. God, you're the God of my salvation. I'm going to wait on you and follow you so I can know the way forward. It'd be a good prayer every morning, wouldn't it, for us to pray? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you do want to guide us. We thank you that you want to be like a loving father that you want to give us instruction, that you want to give us your counsel, that you have a watchful eye that wants to guide us in our lives. We thank you, Lord, you've given us your word as a map that we can use that to see the way forward, to light the path before us, that we by faith can take the next step and the next step and the next step as you guide us and lead us with your word. Father, I pray if there's anyone in this place today that does not know Christ as their Savior, I pray right now that you draw them to yourself. I pray that you give them the faith they need to trust in Jesus. And by trusting in Christ, that you would put your life in your light within them. Father, I, I pray you guide us and you help us, those that already know you. Forgive us for the times we strayed. Forgive us for the times we've acted like a, a wild horse and we've just ran forward in our own way. Forgive us when we've been like a stubborn mule and we've refused to follow you. We've refused to, to stay near. We've refused to repent and move forward in our lives. Father, forgive us of that. Help us change that today. Help us all that already know you by faith. Help us, Lord, to, to make commitments to stay as near to you as we can to follow your instruction, your counsel, and, and let you guide us with your watchful eye and with your word so we can know the way forward. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you would please stand. If you do not know Christ as your Savior, why not change that today? Why not take the first step forward? The first step that changes your life. The first step that changes your eternal destiny. The first step that provides forgiveness and that you trusted in Christ who died on the cross for your sins. Or maybe you as a believer need to make a step today and say, God, I want to follow you. I want to know your ways.
I'm going to wait for you, God. I want you to show me the way forward. So God speaks to your heart. We invite you to come. Are you in need of greater peace in your life? It is possible, and it starts with being at peace with God. Just pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I realize I need you and your forgiveness. I invite you to be the boss of my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I receive you as my Savior and Lord. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we'd love to talk to you. We're here to pray with you, to love you, and offer support. Please contact us at day3church.com. We care about you, and we want to connect with you. Until next time, this is Pastor John reminding you that God is greater than your circumstances and His mercies are new every morning. It's time to experience a new day in your life.